and verse 19. Philippians 2, verse 19. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus to you shortly, that I also may be refreshed, knowing how you get on. For I have no one like-minded who will care with genuine feeling how you get on, for all seek their own things, not the things of Jesus Christ. The prophet Haggai, chapter 1 and verse 2. Thus speaketh Jehovah of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that Jehovah's house should be built. And the word of Jehovah came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you that you should dwell in your wainscoted houses while this house lieth waste? And now thus saith Jehovah of hosts, Consider your ways. And then uh, verses 12. And Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, the, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and all the remnant of the people, hearken to the voice of Jehovah their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, according as Jehovah their God has sent him, and the people feared before Jehovah. Then spoke Haggai, Jehovah's messenger, in Jehovah's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith Jehovah. And Jehovah stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked at the house of Jehovah of hosts, their God. <clears throat> Finally, a couple of references in Revelation, chapter 2. First of all, in chapter 2 and verse 1, to the angel of the assembly in Ephesus write these things. Says he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lamps, I know thy works, and thy labour, and thy endurance, etc. And then chapter 3, verse 14, And to the angel of the assembly in Laodicea write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, without neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. Just this simple impression I have is this uh, expression of, of Paul's in relation to these saints. How are you getting on? I wonder if we had a letter from the Apostle asking us how we are getting on. What our answer would be or what would be the uh, result of such reflection Individually, but also collectively. Paul had someone who was going to send Timothy because he was like-minded and he would care with genuine feeling how he gets on. At the end of the section where I read, it says that all seek their own things, not the things of Jesus Christ. I think that was a general state and condition of things, very much akin to the present day. But then there was this company at Philippi that Paul had much affection for. Much had happened to Paul and Philippi, as we read when we were going through the epistle, and he had a great love and affection for them. And Paul was in prison, and he was seeking to be refreshed in his spirit. And the way that he would be refreshed would be hear how these dear saints were getting on as a result of his, his labour, I suppose, and the fact that he'd been away from them for some time. But uh, just a challenge, how are we getting on? How are we getting on with the Lord and his things? in our souls how are we getting on as a company is there much here for the heart of Christ is there something that he can take account of that would give him joy the apostle knew that there was a good company there he knew they were in danger and beloved we're in danger too 
-hmm. We're in danger from what's outward, yeah. attacks outward, and to the way the enemy is subtly works inwardly as well. Mm. And uh, we need to be on our guard, and maybe we need to reflect a little. I do anyway. How am I getting on mm. in the Lord's things? What place do they have in my heart, mm. in my life? Mm. Are they really number one as they should be? Has the Lord got his place with us individually? Has he got his place uh, collectively? But there's just something that came to me, this thought of how we're getting on and what Paul would, would, would look for. Think of this man, Timotheus, in whom he has so much confidence. A young man. How glad we are for young men committed to the Lord. Mm. And Timothy was a young man, but he was also a timid man. Why Paul writes those two epistles to him, two letters to Timothy, to, to really to galvanise him into action in relation to the gift that he'd been given, that he may exercise it rightly. And maybe we need a bit of energising too in relation to to be energised for the Lord and his things, what is for his heart, a committal to him. One thing we know that whatever expenditure, whatever we labour at in the Lord's things, we'll never lose its value to the Lord. It will always be taken account of. We can work harder, we can sweat as much as we like in man's world and there won't be any gratitude for what we do. But the Lord even speaks about a cup of water in my name be taken account of. So there's none of us that can rule ourselves out of this because we might be like some who said, oh, I'm not able for this. Moses being one. And Jeremiah another one. He's felt his weakness in relation to the great service that God had in mind for them. And God tells Jeremiah that he'd known him even before he was born and he had a service for him. And that's another thing we should do, maybe. We should inquire of the Lord what he has in mind for us to do yeah. for his service. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe just think upon these things. And I've read in Haggai because they obviously weren't getting on very well, were they? <laughs> they had come back from captivity. The great exercise of the captivity was that the people would be recovered, that the, yeah. the temple should be built, and the house of God should have its place and the city but it uh, seems like they'd lost heart and settled down. And they said, it's not this time. It's not the time for God's house. Individually, materially, they were all very well off. And I think we would say that in the present day, that we're well off, really. Considering our forefathers anyway, we're certainly well off, maybe materially. But I often think of the elder, elderly brethren and those that have gone before, how much spiritual wealth they seem to have compared to myself and others not judging others, but what, I, what we observe. But here was a people here, and he, he says, uh, they said it wasn't the time for that. He says, is it time for you that you should dwell in your wainscoted houses? And he says, consider your ways. And that's a good point, isn't it, to consider our ways. Again, it's similar, how we get a non consider our ways. What have we got? But how, how are our ways ordered in relation to God's interests? And then what I was impressed was that the remnant of the people hearkened to the voice of Jehovah their God. And a good thing if the prophetic word comes and there's some positive result from it. Mm. We're trusting an occasion like this. It is, a it is a word from God. It's the mind of God for his people at the present time. Mm. You say, well, we're just a few here. We're very few of all that believe in Worthing, but we'd be looking, even in our smallness, for God to speak to us mm. by the Spirit and through mm. his word. And may that be our experience. And may there be an effect in as a result of it, that God can take account of. These men, they stirred up the people, and there was a result. 
and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked at the house of God, of Jehovah their God. So there was a result for it. May there be a result, an increase in what is for the heart of the Lord and for God, especially in relation to his service of praise. Now finally, I just touched on those scriptures in Revelation. We know the Lord says to every assembly, I know. And he knows exactly what is going on in every person's heart, in every locality, in every Christian gathering. The Lord knows and he has his assessment. Start off with the Ephesus, they've left their first love. There was much to be commended to in Ephesus. And think of the height of the truth that he committed to them through Paul. And yet, they had, they had uh, there's something that had come in which had caused a deflection from their love for the Lord. Well, we maybe we challenged and helped in relation to that. But every company is, I know, even there, the, where the saints in Sardis, mm. where they suffered so much, a Smyrna rather, where they suffered so much, he said, I know thy tribulation. He knew all that they were going through. Mm. He allowed it to happen. As Andy mm. said earlier, nothing is out of control. The Lord was in control. God's in control. Even when it comes to the suffering of his people, mm. he allows experiences and things to come into our lives that may bring out some, refine his work in our souls, that there might be something for him. Mm. And then, just read in Laodicea, we've had this before as much in recent times. And uh, what a sad situation. Of course, it's church history, isn't it? All the way from Ephesus to Laodicea. History of the church. And this is the condition that we're in at the present time. The Laodicean state. That's what the public state is. But, you know, there's always room for an overcomer. However things outwardly might be, <coughs> it's the word is to the overcomer. The Lord is standing. He's speaking. And he's given a result. And he gives a... Promise to them that overcome. It says, even to Laodicea, see it, he that overcomes to him will I give to sit with me in my throne. What a what a result that is. What a privilege. Mm -hmm. So I said earlier, whatever we commit to the Lord, whatever we do for him, is taken account of. Mm -hmm. May that just encourage us. Even if others don't appreciate it, or others may be critical, may mm -hmm. we just realise that the Lord has his own assessment. And may we just be challenged as to the word as to how we're getting on. Mm -hmm. May the Lord bless the word. Amen. Mm -hmm.